Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Um, Let me just give you like the most brief update that I can give you. We were approached uh, just this past November about the possibility and opportunity to purchase this building that we're in right now. If you don't know our situation, uh, we moved into this building back in 2009 and have a Sunday morning lease agreement. Uh, we, uh, we have a, a, a full-time lease across the street, but this is a Sunday morning lease only. And we come in here every morning, uh, 7 o'clock kind of ish, and we roll in with a big 20-something foot trailer, and we have a bunch of volunteers that set up all the chairs that you're sitting in and set up all this equipment. This literally is a shell on Sunday morning at 7 a.m., and Bobby Lease is the first one in the house, and he's the reason why you have an uncomfortable chair to sit in. Um, but, uh, but you know, we, we, we've been leasing this building since 2009, I believe. Isn't that correct? I don't know what year it is. It's, so, so eight years now, I guess. So um, is it 2017? It is, right? Yeah. I'm present. I'm here. Um, but the, the opportunity is such an incredible opportunity for so many obvious reasons. It is always, you know, more advantageous to own what you got than to just rent or lease what you got. And, and it just opens up the door to so many possibilities, so many different things that you can do, different things that you can add from a ministry concept and, and, and just different events and different things and activities and, and just the opportunity to make everything that you do better. And so there's all these obvious elements to why we would want to buy the building. Here's another one is because if they're going to sell the building and we don't buy it, someone else will. And I don't know who that is and they might not and probably won't run it like an event center. And, and, and I, don't, I don't want to have to look for a new place to, to call church. And this place has been a church on Sunday morning for decades, almost since the building opened. And I don't want that to stop. I don't think that, that this place should ever be anything other than a place of worship on a Sunday morning. Can I get an amen out there? So, and we just decided that, you know what, not only all those practical things, do they make sense, but we believe as the people of God, and I, I've been showing you this for the last couple of weeks, and there's so much more to show you that God wants you to be a legacy minded person. God so wants you to think beyond the here and now that he wants you to think for generations to come. The Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You're thinking about your grandkids. You're thinking about generations long after you have passed and gone. You're not only thinking about that. Last week we talked about this, that you're even thinking so long term that you're thinking about your eternal legacy. Like, what is it in this life that completely outlives you in eternity? And there's only so many things in this life that you can do that really leave a legacy, maybe outside of your kids. But I'm telling you, what we want to do as a church is set this church up to continue to reach people and change lives and help people connect to God long after you and I, it present, we're all gone. And yet this church still exists and is still doing great and incredible things. That's what we want to do to leave a legacy. So in light of that, and Amanda shared you these dates, there's a couple of dates that you want to know about. And one of them is March 5th. March 5th is what we call Pledge Week. That will be the very first Sunday that we decide that, you know, we're going to go ahead and collect pledges. Now, right now, ushers, if you could help me, you got those pledge cards. I want you to hand those out to everybody. Nobody's pledging this week, but this is the pledge card that you're going to have. And I want you to take this pledge card and just begin to pray over it right now. We talked about this, that literally this is a, a, a kind of a, of a church-wide commitment to say, hey, you know what? What can we do as a church above and beyond our normal giving? That means as an individual, I'm asking the question, what can I do as an individual above my normal giving to say, hey, let's make this happen? Because it's not a small feat. This is a huge thing. And I'm just going to put it like this. I truly believe this, that it is so much beyond us that if God doesn't step in and do it, but that's, that's the realm of faith, isn't it? If your dreams are not bigger than what you can do on your own, your dreams are not big enough. 
And so we need God to do the miraculous and the incredible, but it starts with us and it starts with our participation. And so this legacy card, this pledge card, is really the card that I want you to take and just begin to pray about. And the prayer that I want you to pray is simply this. God, what can I do? What should I do? What would you want me to do to help this church leave a legacy long after we're all gone? And, and here's the deal. I want you to know this. Like, like I know everybody's in a different place in life, and I don't want anybody to be in here and feel weird or guilted or pressured or any of those things. This is between you and God, and I want you to know that I don't expect, and let me say this, God doesn't expect you to do what you can't do, and God doesn't ask you to give what you don't have. He just asks you to consider all these things and say, what can I do sacrificially? What can I do creatively? And what can I do? What should I do? God, what would you have me do to make this legacy a real possibility? The next week that I want you to think about is March 19th, and that's what we call Miracle Offering Sunday. And basically, here's what we're going to do. And, and, and this is where our faith really has to rise. This is where we begin to dream big and think, God, you know what? We want to do this so bad that we are going to start it off as strong as we can. And so our pledges is kind of like a weekly or monthly or a quarterly or annual commitment. That's between you and God and your finances and however that works. I'm not involved with that stuff. But it's your commitment to say, I'm going to do this above and beyond my normal giving. But on March 19th, it is the question that I would want to ask you to ask yourself is this, to say, what's the best single offering that I can give? Because on March 19th, we're going to take up an offering that week that will be hopefully the biggest offering, single offering we have ever taken in the history of the church. And it will be really the boost and the launch to get this campaign up off the ground. And so those are the two things I want you to think about, know about, and pray about. And again, this is what we believe is what God has opened up to us as the most incredible opportunity in the church's history. It's just, it's just huge. That's all I'm going to say. And so I need your prayers. I need your faith. I need your support. I need your encouragement. And then I just need you to pray. Because this is what I believe anyway. I believe that if you have a building without God, you don't have anything. And so if, we, if God's not here, if God's not in what we're doing, then it doesn't matter. We might as well be the Elks Club. If God's not here, we can be sitting around singing kumbaya and rubbing everybody on the back and thinking, feeling good thoughts and all that. And it, it won't matter if God's not in on what we're doing. I can't wait. I'm going to tell you this right now. March 5th, I have a message that I cannot wait to share. It's probably going to be the best message I've ever preached in my life. And so anyway, so excited about these things coming up. But everybody say legacy. legacy. This is beyond just a church thing that we're doing. This is a life thing. This is, a, this is kind of a mentality and an attitude that I want you to adopt about your entire life, that all of your life, not just this window, not just this three-year campaign, not just this building, I'm talking about your entire life should be wrapped around this idea of legacy. Will you do me a favor? Bow your heads and let's pray before we be going today. God, I pray that as we jump into your words, that God, you would speak to us, that God, you would challenge us, that you would inspire us, that, that God, you would convict some of us, but God, that today our faith would rise and that today, God, we would begin to dream those bigger dreams, that we would begin to hope for things beyond our ability and beyond our control, God, that today we would step into a brand new way of living and thinking, a way to leave a legacy, Lord. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, man, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a few different scriptures today. If you want to turn somewhere, turn to 2 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to get there by the end of the day. But let me just share with you some scriptures this morning that I think kind of open up this idea of legacy. Because here's, here's what I want you to know. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and then realize that you should have been living a life that leaves a legacy. Yesterday, 
I did a funeral for a gentleman in our church, and it was, it was a wonderful service, and it was so many uh, wonderful people there to come and show their respects and tell their stories, and, and it was such a, and all these guys got up and kept telling their favorite story of Bob, and, and it was just, it was so cool, but it's in those moments that you realize, wow, you know, you want to be a person that leaves these legacy moments and these legacy stories that has an impact on the life of people, but you know, so many times in life, when you start out in life, especially when you start out young, you start off in survival mode right? You're just trying to figure it out. You're just trying to like get through school or get off the ground or move out or what you're, you're in, you're just trying to pay some bills and get by. You're trying to like eat some ramen noodles or whatever it is. You just, you're just hanging on, hoping Jesus returns soon. And you, you have, you have sometimes this, this season of the life where you're just in survival mode. Hopefully you get over that and you realize, okay, I got, I got it going now. I got a little momentum to my life. I got these kind of these weird things behind me, and now I'm really in success mode. How can I make more money and buy the house and do the car and have the family, and I got the wife and the kid or the husband and the thing, and I, I, I'm trying to build some success in my life. And then what happens is, is that if you ever have a divine moment or you reach a certain age in life, and many times it's the point in life where you realize that you have less time ahead of you than you do behind you. Something hits you, and you realize... What the heck am I actually doing with my life? Maybe I was surviving because, you know, you got to survive. But then I was trying to have success, and I, I might have even been trying to have success for, for a lot of the wrong reasons, or I was wrongly motivated even. Or maybe they were innocent, but now I realize that I don't want to just survive. I don't even want success. What I really want is significance. I want to have a significant impact on the world around me, so that one day at my funeral, someone will get up and say, this is the legacy that they left behind. And I want that legacy to be as awesome and as big as it possibly can. And here's why. Look at this right here. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, I urge you. This is Paul speaking to the people, the church of Ephesus. I urge you. Like this is a big deal. This is not like, hey, by the way, you should know. No, I urge you. I'm grabbing you by the lapels and I'm shaking you a little bit. I urge you. I want you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Implications, you have a calling. If you never felt like that, it doesn't matter how you feel. I just want you to know it's true. You have a calling. You have a divine destiny. You have things that you were created to do. God designed you, gifted you, and placed you right up in, apparently, 2017, according to what I just found out a minute ago. You, you are here for a reason, whether you know it or not. Regardless of that, you were made for a purpose. You have these moments of legacy where you get to make a difference and an impact in the lives of people. You have a calling, and according to Paul, that your calling could be a lot higher than your current level of living. So he says, I want you to rise. I want your, fa your faith and, and your calling and all these things to meet somehow, which means your life has to rise sometime to meet the level of the calling that God has on your life. I just want you to know that you'll have to live a life worthy of that calling. It is bigger and beyond probably what you're current living. That's what God uses to push us forward into life. Now, here's the deal. When you read the Bible, I mean, know there's chapters and there's verses everywhere. And that's awesome so that we can quote things and have speed drills when we're kids or, you know, you're not lost in the Bible, but it was not originally written that way. So a lot of times when you see chapter and verse, there's something a little bit lost 
And this is the very first verse of chapter 4, but you remember when Paul wrote this, he didn't say, everybody stop, turn the page, do a picture, and then put a 4 there because I want this to be the beginning of a new chapter. Paul did not do that. Are you all tracking with me? Which means this is actually connected to the verse right before it. Go to the verses before it for me real quick here. Ephesians 3.20 says, now, now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that's working in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. For what? Forever and ever. So, so, so this, is the, this is kind of the starting point. Like, I want you to know that that your calling should be connected to this idea. Go back to verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above more than we ask or think or can even dream up or imagine. I want you to know this, that your calling should be a huge dream. Something in the realm of imagination. Something in the realm of like, hey, wouldn't it be cool? You ever do that with your wife or your, your, your spouse or your, you know, your buddy? or your, Hey, dude. Wouldn't it be awesome? You know what you're living in? You're living in the realm of the dream. You're living in the realm of the possibilities of what could be and what would be. And God is, in essence, inviting you into that. He's saying, now unto him. Everybody say, that's me. Who is able to do immeasurably more than we may ask or think according to the power that works in us. The, 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 the fact is, is that God wants to partner with you to do things that are even in your dream and imagination. Does that make sense? So God's saying he can do it. Through the power that works in you, but you got to think big. You got to dream big. You got to have a legacy mentality. Now, let me, let me help you out quick because I know where you're at. There's a kickback to this. Anytime you start talking about dreams and possibilities and God doing things bigger and beyond what your ability to do, is there's a kickback. There, there are things that I'll just call legacy stoppers. There are things that you're like, but Todd, really? Do you know the economy? Do you know the taxes? Do you know who the president is? Do you know this? Do you know what I'm dealing with? Do you know who I'm married to? Have you seen my kids? You, you have these kickbacks and you have these issues that prevent you. You start looking at circumstances and you start looking at your own personal issues. And, and here's the three biggest ones that I see that when it comes to legacy stoppers, the very first thing that stops you from living a life of legacy is you have a wrong view of yourself. Like, you start looking at all the things that are wrong with you, and then all of those things convince you, like, well, what kind of difference can I make? What kind of impact can I make? I mean, come on, Todd, legacy? I don't know what kind of legacy you expect me to live because you don't know where I'm from or what I've done and what all I've gotten into. And I just want you to know that, that, that he, here's the deal. Jesus said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Like, that's you. So, so as long as you have that wrong view of yourself, you will always stay living in low levels and never making a huge legacy in this life. It, it, it kind of goes like this. If you think you can, if you think you can't, either way, you're right. Either way, I don't think I can. Oh, oh, then you're going to be there because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so just your wrong view of yourself. And here's what we get caught up on sometimes. Sometimes it's our insecurity. Like, that's a big deal, like all of a sudden the things I don't feel good about, and I don't know if I, I, I'm talented, I'm not really gifted, and these people are better than me, and I don't have a lot of money, or I've got cankles, or you got all these weird kind of things that roll around in your mind that are reasons as to why you can't get ahead or be good enough or do this. And you just, every, every time somebody says greatness or legacy, you cringe on the inside because you feel like you don't measure up. But that's why Paul said, I want your, your life to rise to the level of your calling. Don't let insecurity get in your way. Don't let fear get in your way. Like, that's another one. 
The fear of failure. Hey, you know what the reality is? Is some of us don't even fear failure as much as we fear looking like a failure. We're afraid of what other people will look at us. What if I tried that and then fell on my face? If you lived in a, in a, in a, in a vacuum where no one could see you, you'd probably try it. You're not even afraid of failure. You're just afraid of other people thinking that you're a failure. And so get those fears, just kind of put its grip on your heart and say, no, you shouldn't. No, don't try that. No, don't step out. No, don't speak. No, don't go for it. Just hold back. And it's blocking you from an incredible legacy. Sometimes there's just inadequacy. Sometimes there's a reluctance. There's just something that holds you back. And that wrong view of yourself is always going to block you from leaving an incredible legacy. But look at, look at what God says about you. I didn't say this about you. I already like you. But I didn't even say this about you. This is what God... And just so you know, I could go on for weeks talking about what God has said and what God thinks about you. But watch this, just one verse. 1 Peter 2.9, Peter is speaking. And he's saying, hey, you are a chosen generation. Like, you're no accident. My parents kind of hinted that that was the idea for me. Like, we didn't really want to have you right away. We was thinking about having you, and we thought we might have you in a year or two. Look, God chose me, lady. I don't know what you and dad were doing that night, but God chose me. I am no accident. I don't care what y'all were doing. God put me here on this planet. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. This is huge. You don't understand the, the magnitude of this. When you look at the Old Testament, the, the two major categories were kings and priests. Kings and priests, these were the two highest kind of honors that you could reach. And you know what he says? He says, you're royal and you're a priesthood. You're both and. Like the priest, think about this, in the Old Testament, the priest was that which connected people to God. And he said, you're, you're here on this life chosen to connect people and God. You're royalty. Listen to this. You're a holy nation. You're his own special people. I just want you to know you're special. Doesn't that just make you feel just a little... You're special. You're special people, and God has done this for you so that you can actually do something in this life, so that you can proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I just want you to know that like, that's God's view of you. God's view of you is that you're blessed, you're redeemed, that you've been empowered, that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you, that you have gifts and callings, that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do great things, period, end of discussion. Why don't we adopt that and live out of that and watch the legacy that just follows us when we begin to live like this because this is what God has said about us. That's just, that's just, that's just me. Next one is this, legacy stopper number two is this. Not only do we have a wrong view of ourselves, sometimes we just have a wrong view of people. Now, some of you fall into the first category. Some of you fall over here. You, some of you have no problem thinking well of yourself. Um, but sometimes that actually causes you to think less of others. <laughs> Yeah, like, like, you're like your issue is like when you see people, you know what you see? A headache. <laughs> a problem to avoid. <laughs> a pain in the backside. You see, you see an annoy. You see that coworker? That's annoyance. That's what that is. And I get it. I'm telling you, I completely understand this idea that sometimes you look at people and then all of a sudden you see the difficulty or the baggage that they carry. And you're like, I don't want to get involved with that. Oh, I don't want to mess with that. Oh, that's just a headache. No, no, no. That's their issue. They should go see a counselor. You know, no, that's their issue. They could call 911. You know, you, you got all these things that you look at people, but I, I want you just to get an idea that God looks at people very differently than you and I look at people. And, and I, I get it, but here's, here's the deal. Look at what Jesus said when he looked at other people. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, the Bible says, When Jesus saw crowds of people, he had compassion on them because they 
were harassed and helpless, and they were like sheep without a shepherd. Like Jesus like looks at people, and he's like, I know. Because here's the deal. Do you get the metaphor that Jesus is the shepherd and you are the? Yeah, that's not flattering. That is not a compliment. Now, he, he said we were special a minute ago. Now he threw us under the bus. Because sheep are relatively dumb animals. They have no defensive skills. They don't run fast. They're very afraid and skittish animals. They're very, I mean, they're just, they're a pain. And they're dirty. So he's like, oh, my Lord, Jesus. I guess he's, oh, my Lord, me. I don't know. Man, them poor things. You know, in the South, we have a saying. Oh, bless their heart. I feel like Jesus is looking at people. Bless their heart. Bless their little soul. But he saw them with a sense of compassion. Here's what I want you to do when you, when you see people. Because some people you see and you're like, oh, it's them. And you can't wait to hang out with them and you love them and they're easy. I, I'm talking about the people that don't fit in that category. I want you to know that when you see people, that number one is this. They are made in the image and likeness of God. Like all human beings. And this, this takes racism and completely obliterates it. Because what you need to know is this. Is that you are all made in the image and likeness of God Yellow, brown, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. Remember that? I think it was the other, I, I think I messed up the order, but, but you get the point. They're, they're all made in his image and likeness. As a matter of fact, this goes all the way back. Scientists and geneticists have already discovered and figured out that when you look at every human being from every race and ethnicity, that every one of them share a particular genetic code that goes back to two original people. So those people that you think you hate because they're different than you, just know y'all are related. They got issues probably because of you. And maybe you have issues because of them. I don't know how that works, but I just want you to know, it just, they're all, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. And, and this, this takes it even a step further, is that Christ died for all of us. So the very person that you think is a pain in the backside and difficult and annoying or whatever, I want you to know that that's a person that God deems so valuable that he sacrificed his own son so that they could be redeemed and forgiven. So don't treat it as a light thing when you run into another human being. Realize that it could be your opportunity to make a legacy. I'm telling you this. This is so huge. There's a story that kind of illustrates this. When you have the right view of yourself and then you have the right view of other people, there are legacy moments all around you. There is a story of a man named Edward Kimball. Now, nobody's ever heard of this guy. Edward Kimball was a little Sunday school teacher in a small church. But, you know, he, he, had, like, he, he had, had the kids and the youth group, and he was a Sunday school teacher, and he had this one kid who was a pain and was a little bit troubled and was going through issues. And he said, you know what, though? I think God's put this kid in my life. And this kid, just so you know, he was an older teenager, but he was already working at a shoe store, and he was the stock boy and a shoe salesman at a shoe store. So you don't have these like amazing moments yet. You know, we're not talking about like incredible life-changing people just yet. You're talking about a Sunday school teacher and a shoe salesman. But it's a legacy moment because Edward Kimball began to minister to this young shoe salesman. His name was D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody goes on to be one of the greatest evangelists of his entire generation. I mean, he's incredible. And then when you look at like the ministry that he had, and you look at the impact in the lives that he had, this is how crazy it gets. He ends up ministering in such a way that eventually the life of a professional baseball player named Billy Sunday, his life was changed. And Billy Sunday becomes the greatest evangelist two generations later and has these stadium events and people are getting saved. And then in in his events and meetings, this, this other young evangelist named Mordecai Ham gets saved. And Mordecai Ham ends up leading Billy Graham to Jesus. 
And Billy Graham was the person by the time he died, or by the, by the time his, his ministry had kind of finished off, had ministered to more people than anybody in the history of the world. It's not even close. When you look at the millions upon millions upon millions that this guy preached to and the millions and millions of people that came to Jesus through him. And you know where it began? It began with a Sunday school teacher and a shoe salesman. That doesn't feel very legacy. It's just shoes. And dealing with some bratty teenagers. But there's legacy always in the balance if you know who you are. You were chosen to make a difference in the lives of other people. Sometimes people is lowly. It's a shoe salesman. And you see this radical kind of ripple effect into history that leaves the most incredible legacy. And I say Billy Graham, and some of y'all don't even know really what I'm talking about here. If you're underneath kind of the age of 30, you Billy Graham ministered to so many people, it's hard to calculate. Let, let me, uh, it's, I'll put it in a joke form. Billy Graham is such a big deal that when he was, when he was 87 years old, he got off a plane and, and it was, was picked up by a limousine to take him back to his home. He was 87 years old. He gets to his limousine, and it's just him and the driver. And he goes, hey, look, they don't, I'm, I'm kind of old. They don't let me drive anymore. I've never driven a limousine. Will you please let me drive the limousine? The guy's like, yeah, you're Billy Graham. You do whatever you want. Um, so the guy jumps in the back. Billy Graham jumps in the front, and he takes off down the road. And he's headed. This is in North Carolina where his, 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 he was born in, or his home and all that. And he's just driving down the road. Well, that day there was a young rookie state trooper who had set up his very first speed trap. And Billy Graham comes just flying down the road. Apparently he had a lead foot. He was doing 70 and a 55. And, and so the state trooper's like, you know, hits the lights and, and pulls him over. Well, he, you, know, you know, the cop walks up and then all of a sudden these tinted black limousine windows go down and he sees Billy Graham driving the car and he just literally is speechless. He's, and he says, you know, let me just, you know, just give me a minute here. I need to go. And he goes and he calls his supervisor. He said, supervisor, I don't know what to do here. I know we're supposed to enforce the law, but I know also we give privileges to kind of special people. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. He goes, well, who's the important special person that's there? Is it, what, what is he, what do you got, the governor? He goes, no, no, I think it might be more important than the governor. And you're like, what is it, the president? Good Lord, who are you dealing with? He goes, no, I think it might be more important than the president. He's like, who in the world is more important than the president? He goes, I don't know, I think it's Jesus because Billy Graham is his limousine driver. <laughs> The, the, the point is that there's Jesus, there's the Apostle Paul, and then there's Billy Graham. I mean, like that's, that's the point of me telling you that story, but it starts. Listen, don't miss this. It starts with a Sunday school teacher and a shoe salesman, and it can change the world because of a Sunday school teacher and a shoe salesman. If you have the right view of yourself and the right view of people and you realize that they're made in the image and likeness of God and I know that I'm a chosen, called, per, I, you know what? This could be a legacy moment and you have no idea what hangs in the balance. So not only do you need a right view of yourself, you need a right view of other people. One of the other legacy stoppers is this, is you just have a wrong view of God. Some of us sit back and we, we live in this kind of realm of faith where our faith gets shrunk down and our faith is kind of limited to the size of our greatest fear or biggest obstacle. Uh, let me put it like this. One preacher was asked, how big is God? And assuming that answer would be theological and that, that God would be infinitely, you know, big. He didn't say that. He said, God is as big as your faith allows him to be. Yes, God theologically is infinite. But really, to you, he's as big as your faith 
allows him to be. And when we have a wrong view of God and we have this kind of limited idea and we don't think God can or God will or whatever, listen to the scripture right here. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17 says this. It says, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing is too hard for you. Like nothing. But because we limit God to the size of our fears or our obstacles or our issues or whatever it is, we don't leave legacy uh, kind of uh, behind us in our past. We, we, we don't leave legacy in our life after it's done and gone because we just thought maybe this was a little bit too big for God. We shrunk him down and we never did it consciously or knowingly. We didn't try to. We just did because that's the where our faith level ended up kind of staying our entire lives, it was limiting God, assuming that something would be beyond him. Watch this scripture here. This is huge. I want you to get the gravity of this scripture. John 14, 12 says this, I tell you the truth. Now, whenever Jesus would say something like, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, or, you know, something, underline that. He's about to drop a big truth bomb on you. I'm telling you a big deal right here. Pay close attention. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has, everybody say faith. There's a faith element. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. If you ever wondered, as a Christian, what are you supposed to do with your life? One of the easy things to point to is this. I'm supposed to be doing what Jesus did. What, so I just read Jesus. He was doing this. I should go do this. Jesus is all about this. I should be all about this. And, this is huge, he will do even greater things than these? Wait a minute. You were Jesus. How am I supposed to do greater things? Well, I want you to know, like, Jesus had a three-year shelf life in terms of his ministry, impact, and experience. Now, don't get me wrong. It was the best one that ever was. But he still, it was a three-year window. I want you to know, like, you've got decades ahead of you. Get to work. Get to doing what Jesus was doing. And just on volume, you're going to be able to accomplish a lot of things. And he goes, I want you to do even greater things. There is a lot of big, huge, great, awesome, incredible things that God wants. And this is really what faith is. Faith in God invites us to strive for greater things. So wherever it is that you are now, whatever it is that you think of a, you've accomplished or done for God or done in God's kingdom, I want you to know you're not done yet. God has even greater things in store for your future. If you will trust him, if you will have faith in him, if you will believe in him. God, wherever you're at, I just want you to know there are greater things ahead as you put your faith in God. Now watch this. We're going to do this one story. This is an awesome story in the Old Testament. It's one of those stories that you would probably never read unless you were a kind of a Bible through the year person. Really kind of an odd story. It's found in 2 Kings. I told you we'd get here eventually. In 2 Kings chapter 3, there's a story that I think kind of illustrates this idea of how God wants your faith to arise to the moment. In 2 Kings chapter 3, there's a story. And in this, in this time in Israel's life, they had split. They kind of had a civil war and now Israel was no longer one nation, it was two nations. They called it Israel in the north still, but in the south, they called it Judah. So you had the nation of Judah, the nation of Israel. And then you had this other group of people that had joined along with them. It was the Edomites, and they had banded together to, to go and fight these really wicked, bad people called the Moabites. This is the story. It says, the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and after roundabout march of seven days... The army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? What? That's, that's in the Bible. I didn't make that up. See that exclamation? Post? What? What? exclaimed the king of Israel. 
Has the Lord called us three kings together just to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat, that's the king of Judah. By the way, if you're a parent, never name your kid a name with the word fat in it. They will get picked on. It's just mean. Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? And an officer of the king of Israel, who also had a mean parent, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, um, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elisha. And so Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, they went to go see Elisha. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Why don't you go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother? Basically, this is him saying, I don't want nothing to do with you. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over or to hand us over to Moab. And Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I, do not ha- if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look at you or even notice you. Now, that's kind of mean, but the people in Israel were really wicked. So when you look at the way the kingdom divided, Israel was always more wicked, more idolatrous, and more crazy than the south was. Judah was always uh, much more honoring of God, had a lot better kings and the kingdoms that, in the way that were much more God-honoring. And so that's why Elisha's like, man, you're crazy. You don't even worship. You, you've let the nation go to idolatry. And he's mad, and he's angry, and he's upset. But he says, because of the king of Judah, and I will go ahead and say that I, did think, I do think God put you three together to do something great in the, in the land or to God to use you to do something in the land, I'm going to go ahead and speak to you. Now, this is what he does. He does three specific things that I want you to see. Watch this, verse 15. The first thing that Elisha does, he's the prophet. Prophets are always a little bit weird, a little bit kooky. You didn't know what they were going to do. They were always going to do something weird or say something weird, but you had to just trust them because they were the connector to God, right? So these three kings are like, we'll just do whatever you say. Number one is this. He goes, now bring me a harpist. That's it. Wait a minute. We're about to die of dehydration and thirst, and there's no water, and then there's an army on the other side of that hill that's wanting to kill us. And here's your game plan. Here's your military strategy. Go get the flute and the harp and the harp. Go, go get some music. This is what the prophet would do. Now watch this. Joey, come up here real quick. Joey, Joey's the, uh, the, the guy that always comes up on the keys and plays the music at the end of service. This is, everybody say hi, Joey. This is Joey. Now I'm going to tell you this. This is so important. This, this is why you need to know this, is that faith rises in God's presence. You need to know this. That there's something about worship, and the presence of God that kind of makes your faith build. There's something about, get, come on, give it to me, Joey. Give me some, yeah. Look at this. Something about worship music. It puts you in a place of peace. Kind of lets your faith build and your confidence. And you're like, yeah, okay, God's with me, God's with me. No, stop, watch. God ain't going to do it. I don't know, we're going to all die out here. Watch this place. That's where you want to be. I right, stop. This is where you at. Some, some of y'all roll down the street, kicking it to God knows who, listening to God knows what. But watch this. This is it. Is Joanna? Joanna, are you there? Joanna, come up here. Watch this. There's something about worship music where your faith begins to rise. So like, Sing this for me real quick. Go ahead. And all to Jesus. 
God is with me. God is for me. God has redeemed me. You know what? God's called me. I'm, I'm, I'm apparently, according to Todd, I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. You know, God's got big things for me. I know I can feel faith rise in the presence of God. And that's why it's so important. Can you give them a hand real quick here? You can, keep, you can, you can just keep playing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be done here. But I'm telling you, that there, some of you live, stop me. Some of y'all live here. Please, God. Watch this. Go. That's where you want to. Stop. There you go. That's where you want to be. What, what, the reason why this is so important, the prophet is weird. He's always, they always do weird things, crazy things. He said, you bring me a harpist. You know what? Before we do anything, you start playing some worship music. Come on, all to Jesus. I surrender. I'm telling you what, let's get God's presence on our side. Let's get ourselves in a, in a right frame of mind. Let's get into a faith mindset and a legacy mindset. And let's be aware. Let's be so aware of God's presence and what God wants to do in our lives. Come on, Joey. Let's keep going. Number two is this. The next thing that he says, and again, the prophet always does weird things, says weird things. He said, bring me a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And then he said in verse 16, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. So remember what they needed? They needed water. Like, we ain't got no water. Even if God sends you water, you wouldn't even be ready to handle it. You need to prepare. If you actually want God to show up and bring that miracle into your life, you need to make room for the miracle. You need to prepare for the miracle. You need to have arranged your life. You're like, I was expecting this. I went ahead and made arrangements. I moved things around. I, I rescheduled things. I was waiting because I was believing and I knew. And here's the point is that God is so wanting you to dig these ditches because faith goes beyond inspiration into participation. I almost put perspiration because digging ditches is hard. Digging ditches is hard. I'm telling you this. is that Can you imagine this army's out there and they, they're, they're thirsty and they're tired? And this weird prophet comes out and says, start playing some music. Ah. He's like, y'all, y'all get to work now. Start digging ditches. The point is this, is that you have to make room for the miracle that you're expecting. You have to like make opportunity. You got to dig some ditches. God, I want you to know that most of the miracles, if you read the New Testament from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at most of the miracles, most of the miracles require your participation. Rarely did Jesus just come in and be like, what? Uh? Usually he came in and he would say, go do this, do this, do this, say this, let's do this, let's change. And he would, there was some level of activity or participation on your part. I want you to know that that's what this legacy campaign is really all about. This is us saying, God, we believe we're going to seek your presence. We have total faith in you, God, but now we're going to make room. God, if you want to do this incredible thing in us and through us and with us, God, then we're going to make room for you to bless us. You're going to make room. You're going to, we're going to allow you to pave the way where we don't even see a way. We're going to allow you to open up the doors so that we can step through them, God. We're going to do this legacy campaign so that you can help get us into that legacy moment. This is our way. And then lastly, he says this, for this is what the Lord says which is like, I'm going to prepare you. You will neither see wind nor rain, and yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals, you're all going to drink, and this is an easy... Look, I think the prophet is somewhat annoyed with him. Bring me some music. Ah, let's worship. Y'all start digging some ditches. Don't look at your circumstances. Even if you don't see wind or rain or clouds or it does not matter, you don't look at your circumstances. You just listen to what God has said. You just trust God. 
and watch because I'm telling you, this is an easy thing. Maybe not for me and you, but this is an easy thing for the Lord. Number, number three is this, is that faith continues regardless of what is seen. I want you to live like this. I want you to live a life digging ditches and making room for God. I want you to live a life looking for people as an opportunity to create legacy moments. I want you to look at yourself and realize that I got a calling. I don't even know what it is, but I'm going to go figure it out. I got gifts, talents, abilities, time, opportunity. I don't even know what God's going to do, but I'm just going to step in. I'm going to keep trusting, keep going, keep talking to God, keep asking questions. And God, I'm going to so dive in. I know there's a calling. I know those people matter to you. And so God, I'm just going to dig ditches and make everything happen that I can so that you can step into it. This is how you rise to the level of your calling. This is how your faith rises to meet those legacy moments. Here's the question that you need to begin to ask. God, what do you want to do in me and through me? God, what do you want to do in me and through me? Please bow your heads with me. God, I don't know what you're up to in us, but stir up our faith. Help us to dream again. Help us to wonder again. Help us to so get over our insecurities and our shortcomings and just believe and step in and, and to believe that, God, you can do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that I can come up with. You can outdo it. So why not just dream for the best? God, help us to be dreamers. Help us to be people of faith. Help us to be people that look for legacy moments and legacy opportunities with our friends, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, in our church, God, wherever it is, let us always be on the lookout for you to do something great in us and through us, God. Lord, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Yeah, let's do it. Um, if you're out there and, and you missed these last two weeks, I'm going to just so strongly encourage that you go do a couple things. Number one, you'll see this card on the back table. Um, I'd like you to go pick that up. This is just kind of describes legacy and talks about what we're going to do. And it has the dates on there that are really important to us right now. The other thing I really want you to do is I, I want you to go back and listen to especially week one of this series. Um, as a matter of fact, if you need a copy of it, come see me after service. I'll put a copy in your hand for free. But you can go online or you can do the podcast. There's a number of different ways to do it. Yes, on our YouTube channel. Um, go watch part one of this series if you have missed the last two weeks. I so want you to be a part of what we're doing because I think God has given us, as a church, a legacy opportunity. And I don't care if I see wind or if I see rain, we're going to dig some ditches. We're going to let our faith rise and we're going to step back and see God do what would be easy for him to do. Amen? Um, do me a favor, stand up on your feet with me today. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.